sermons.net that will have the sermons posted on it, just the audio for the sermon, not the whole worship service. Um, and it'll be on YouTube later today. We're working on figuring out why that's not working for live stream. Uh, and so we are, we're working on uh, kind of ironing out the bugs here. Um, this is hopefully the beginning of something that we will do better as weeks progress. Um, I got a couple of prayer requests, and so we're going to pray now. I gave you all a few minutes, like we, instead of doing prayer earlier, we're doing it a little later. Uh, and we had a couple of people post uh, prayer requests. Uh, Carly uh, posted a praise, uh, and uh, she, her, her son and Callie have had their child, uh, and the baby is healthy, uh, Weston. Westland, and and so uh, the boy is healthy. Uh, the they're getting used to uh, not sleeping at night, I guess, and so that is a big praise. Uh, Lori, uh, prayer requests. Um, uh, pray for the Mountaineer. I, I think they're looking for ways to uh, minister to the community and be a support uh, as they uh, go forward with all of this. I think that's what that means. Uh, and finally, uh, I got a, another thing. Nathan, this is an announcement, not a prayer request. Nathan created a page on Facebook uh, to share needs uh, or supplies that you have to share. And so uh, you might check that out. It provides opportunity to uh, minister and to be ministered to. Um, and so let's pray. Uh, and let's, uh, let's then we'll go to, oh, uh, Betty has a surgery coming up. Betty uh, Bits. Uh, we have been talking about her having uh, cancer, and they are going to be doing a surgery to remove the cancer, and so we want to um, pray for her. I'm, my wife is, like, texting me prayer requests as I talk, uh, so we're going to be praying for Betty as she goes and does the surgery. She's had quite a few of them, um, and, and I know uh, she, is, she is Montana strong, and so we want to be praying for Betty as well. So let's go to God in prayer together. Heavenly Father... Uh, Heavenly Father, as, as we're spread out all over uh, town and all over the county and in some, some cases uh, all over the country, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. I pray that you would help us to glorify you. Uh, I pray that you would help us to know that we are the body of Christ, even if there are miles separating us. Um, and we are the, the congregation, the, the flock of Big Sandy Church of God, even though we can't uh, sit in the same room together this morning. I pray that you would give us uh, grace and mercy and, and fill our hearts with your spirit, knowing that, that we are not alone in all of this, even though um, we might feel lonely, even though we might feel a little helpless, Lord. I pray that you would give us comfort. Um, help us to know that you are in control, Lord, that, that you watch over us, um, that not a hair can fall from our heads without your will being a part of it. We know that you are in control, and we know that you're taking care of us. And so good or bad, we know that we can trust that you are that you are, um, your eye is on us in the same way that it's on the sparrow, in the same way that, that it is on all of the creation. Lord, we praise you for being that kind of God. Um, as, we, uh, as we prepare to do the message this morning, um, I pray that you would help me to be faithful, help me to be scriptural, help me to, to speak with your spirit. Um, praise you, Lord, for uh, just the, the, the blessing that a new child is uh, for uh, Callie and Chase. And Pray that, that you would continue to bring health and, and um, help them to, to really just, just glorify you in their parenting. Um, pray for uh, the Mountaineer and, and for Lori. We know and Lori's got just such an amazing heart and she loves this town and she 
she loves her neighbors and and Lord God we pray that that we would know how to that she would know how to how to minister to folks um, through that through that bit of work through that that paper um, Lord God help her to be um, help her to be your your soldier your person on the spot help her to spread grace help her to spread love help her to be Jesus to the community and Father God I pray for just all the folks who are in this town and have needs um, who are are short on food or, or diapers or baby formula or um, toilet paper or whatever, Lord. I pray that we would have hearts to share, Lord God, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't hoard, that we wouldn't look and build bigger barns that we could protect our, our own interests, Lord God, but that we would look at the, the folks around us who, who have need, who have hunger, who have worry, um, and, and help us to be a blessing to them. Lord God, this is a, a thing that is a, this, this time of, of being apart, this time of um, quarantine is, is uh, concerning to a lot of folks or a lot of people who are afraid and, and a lot of people are nervous about the future and, and about the economy and about, about getting sick and about everything, Lord. There's just so much to be concerned about, so much to worry about. Um, help us to just over and over again come back to the fact that you are in control, that you are in charge. Um, Help us to over and over again glorify you uh, with our lives. And, Lord God, help us to see this as an opportunity. Lord God, it's not just a, it's just a time of difficulty, but it's an opportunity to be a blessing to the world around us. It's an opportunity to find new ways to grow close together, Lord. Um, we praise you for the technology that we're using to talk to each other, the technology we're using to share the, the gospel and the passages and the message this morning and the worship. And, and we just praise you for that. We praise you that... that um, that you brought us to, to be your people, Lord God. And, and as we look at the message this morning, we praise you that, that, um, that your son, our, our Savior, was the plan all along. Praise your holy name. Amen. So uh, I guess we'll dive right into the message. We are on week two of The Road to Calvary. Uh, this series, uh, Jeremy started it out and... and uh, what we're doing, Easter is coming up. I think we're three weeks from Easter, uh, so it may be the most difficult Easter egg hunt in the history of America, but we'll figure it out. Um, but as we approach Easter, we want to look at, you know, we're shifting away from talking about Timothy, and we're doing kind of a topical series, and we're looking at um, all of the things on the road to Calvary. Um, because it wasn't just this spur-of-the-moment decision. It wasn't just this thing that happened uh, on, on, that, on that day. Like, it wasn't just, the resurrection wasn't just a thing that happened on the spur of the moment. This is a part of God's plan from the very beginning. And as we, as we kind of work our way through, we're going to be looking at how God um, set the table and set the agenda and prepared the world for it, how, how, um, how we got here. Um, last week, Jeremy talked about Adam and Adam's fall. Um, he talked about uh, how <clears throat> how sin came into the world, how we're all sinful, how we're all fallen, um, how we all need God's grace and forgiveness, and and how that grace and forgiveness is um, is is the thing that necessitated the cross. God had to go to extreme measures because our fallenness brought death into the world, brought brokenness, brought misery, brought pain, brought oppression, brought evil. Like all of the garbage brought viruses into the world. All of this garbage that we see in the world around us is a product of Adam's fall. And so God had to go to extreme measures. And that was what put us on the road to Calvary. That's what put God um, 
in the path to receive, you know, to accomplishing what he did on Good Friday. And so, like, before I dive into the deeper part of this, um, I, y'all can't see it. There are two people in the audience right now. There's Jeremy, and there is a large Batman cutout standee who is scowling at me from over there. Um, and I wasn't going to talk about it, but it, it occurred to me this is an interesting way to come at this. Um, it is not the real Batman, uh, because Henry Merrill is at home. Um, it is it is a cardboard cutout. I really hope that Nathan laughed at that, um, or Mary or whoever. Uh, but the, the, the cardboard cutout is a Batman. I got it a few years ago. I've had it in my kid's closet, and it's just standing in the third row um, scowling at me. Um, but it's not the real Batman. Um, at home, my kids have um, Batman action figures, and I, I've got Batman comic books. And, and down in my office, I have a little Batman figure, like Lego figure, sitting next to my desk on a little shelf. And, and none of those are the real Batman. Like, none of them are. Um, and, and the reason is, of course, that Batman doesn't exist. Uh, but I <laughs> hopefully he's not watching and didn't hear me say that because he'll beat me up later. Uh, <laughs> but, but in a different way, um, they are images that project a different thing, like this different reality, this thing that is out there. Um, this, you know, and you might even argue if you wanted to get really philosophical, they are images that represent um, this ideal hero, this, this man who goes out and never fails and never gives in on his, on his standards and defends the weak and rescues the poor and everything else. Like, like um, he represents an idea in the comic books and all that. It's one of the reasons I'm a fan of, of the Batman comics is because he's this, this hero that represents something better. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be in Hebrews 10, and in Hebrews 10, uh, it talks about the Old Testament system of sacrifice and how it was pointing forward to something better. In and of itself, it was not um, anything but a reminder. It was not anything but a cardboard cutout of the real thing that was to come. And Jeremy just jostled the face or the YouTube sermon stuff, so like everybody on YouTube just got shook around. What are you doing? Distracting me. Um, so as we kind of dive into this, understand, like, we're going to be looking at how the old system, um, you know, having started with Adam and the fall, God establishes a system, you know, for the forgiveness of sins, for the dealing with sin. Um, but it was never the real thing. It was a cardboard cutout or a little Lego figure sitting next to the, the real thing that was coming, the real big deal that was the cross. Um, and so as we go through this, this is the series so far was Adam's sin, and now we're going to be looking at, um, at kind of the, the, the tabernacle and the temple. Um, man, my nose is itching my beard. Um, so uh, I, I'm not coughing, though. Um, as we dive into today, we're going to be looking at the tabernacle and the temple and the sacrificial system. What this is, <clears throat> during the time that the Israelites were in the desert, uh, they were given instructions for building a, a tent and an altar. And they were given instructions for the lamps and for the sacrifices and all of the different orders of things and everything that had to happen along the way 
um, so that they could uh, offer sacrifices. And there were sacrifices for worship, and there were sacrifices for thanks, and there were sacrifices for this and that and the other. Um, But amongst them was the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And once a year, they would make this offering of a perfect spotless lamb that was um, to take the sins of the people. The high priest would go in and he'd put his hand on this lamb and he'd sacrifice it. And it was some, you know, like God like would transfer the sin of the people onto the lamb and the lamb would be sacrificed and like it would receive punishment for the sins of the people. And the book of Hebrews like goes through this whole process of looking at uh, it starts out looking at Christ and how Christ is a greater version of all kinds of things. Christ, not a greater version. Christ is greater than all things. God, uh, Christ is greater than the angels. Christ is greater than Moses. Christ is greater than... And, and it comes to this point where it begins to talk about the tabernacle and the temple. And there's a big chunk at the end of the book that talks about this. Um, and actually, before we get to 10, we're going to look at 9. Because 9 and 10 like really dig into this sacrificial system. And in chapter 9, verses 9 to 12, it says... This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifice being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. Meaning, if you went to the temple and you sacrificed an animal, it didn't take away the reality of sin in your life. It didn't take away the reality of sin on you. Um, you still had your sin because... Um, because it was just an animal. They're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings. External regulations applying until the time of the new order. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his blood obtaining eternal redemption and so what paul is saying there or the author of hebrews i'm assuming it's paul just to make this a little easier there's all kinds of controversy about who wrote it and who didn't write it Um, beginning in the early church in the second century they said paul wrote it and so i'm not going to doubt them i'm going to stick with it um so the the author of hebrews paul um says look um christ is like, like this old system came, and the old system was food and drink and all of this other stuff, but it could never really do anything substantial. It was just a cardboard cutout. It was um, like pointing to the more perfect version, the real version, the tabernacle in heaven, like that is not a part of the creation where Christ entered and poured out his blood as an offering for us. Um, Christ is the high priest. Even the high priest himself in the Old Testament wasn't anything more than a cardboard cutout of Christ. He was stepping into that position and standing there as a representation. But he was sinful. He was not perfect. He was, like, not able to even offer sin for the people because he had his own sin. And, like, Hebrews talks about that. Like, there is no way around the fact that redemption, that forgiveness... What what are you doing? (laughs) Um... I, oh my gosh, uh, there's a, redemption and forgiveness had to come by something more perfect, by the hand of God on us. Um, and so we're, that's nine. And so nine really sort of begins to dig into this idea that everything in the tabernacle, everything in the old system, everything that existed before, like starting in the time of Moses, God was setting up the cross. And actually, we could have talked about Abraham this morning and offering Isaac and all of this like like typology associated with this truth 
that, that Christ was the offer for our sins. But we're not going to do that today. I've done a few sermons on that subject before. I can point them out if you're really curious, or I can talk to you about it and teach it to you. Um, so chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. Uh, hopefully I don't run too long because it's much easier to turn off your computer than to um, get up and leave. So hopefully I can, I can push through this. So we get into chapter 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the reality themselves. Um, so the law, and in reference to the law, a lot of times we see the law in the scriptures used as a reference to like all of the commandments. Like, you know, don't steal, don't, you know, don't want things that don't belong to you, don't use the name of the Lord in vain, all that other stuff. Like a lot of times we see that law thing referring to that. In this instance, the law refers to God's commands regarding the sacrificial system, meaning you will offer these sacrifices, you will do this, you will do that. Like, like when you sin, you must do this. When you are unclean, you must go through this ritual process to be made clean again. And all of that was pointing forward. It was a shadow. It was a a cardboard cutout of this greater thing that was coming, of this greater reality that was going to show up. Um, and so this cardboard cutout is not the real thing. It, it can't be. Um, and actually, that's what Paul says. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Meaning, like, because it was just a shadow, it couldn't make people clean. That's why they had to do it every year, over and over, endlessly. Um, it could never make them perfect. Now, a quick disclaimer. It is easy to get lost when you hear the word perfect. There are a lot of folks along the way who teach that you can become sinless and perfect and never sin. But that's not what he's talking about here. He is talking about perfection in the sense that we have been washed by the blood of Christ. We have been adopted into God's family. We are innocent and in right relationship with God. So for this reason, it can never be, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, Make perfect those who draw near to worship, meaning all of that stuff was a symbol. All of that stuff pointed forward to Christ. All of that stuff did not clean them. You could not go out and sacrifice a bull or sacrifice a goat or, or a lamb in the case of the, the paschal lamb um, or whatever. Like You couldn't make those sacrifices um, and actually clean yourself and actually be made perfect. Now, I'm going to use a word. I used it a bit ago. I'm going to bring it up again. I said typology or type. Um, in here somewhere, Paul, and this is actually a common thing amongst Paul's writings, is the idea of a type. Um, in Greek, it's tupos, and it's a reference to like a stamp. Like you would have a piece of clay, and an artisan would stamp the clay and make a little imprint to let you know who made it or like to pass on a message. And Paul would use that to refer to anything in the Old Testament that pointed forward to something that was coming. And in this case, the temple and the tabernacle were a type. They were a symbol. They were a foreshadowing of Christ. And Christ is the reality that they were pointing to. They were the cardboard cutout. Um, and so I've said type. I'll probably say it again today. I wanted to make clear that's what I meant. Typology is the study of the Old Testament as it points forward to the New Testament. It is a really cool thing because the Old Testament is full of examples like this, where the old system pointed forward to Christ. Um, the old system explains the gospel before the gospel ever showed up. So getting back to the text, otherwise, so 
Um, it could not make them perfect. Otherwise, they would not have stopped being, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So now what he says here is he says, listen, um, if it could make you perfect, you'd stop. Like, you would only have to do it once. It is a one-shot cure forever. You are dead to your sins, made brand new. And when we have faith in Christ, that's what happens. We die to our old selves. We are made into new creations. And that is it. We don't have to offer Christ as a sacrifice over and over and over again. Every time I sin, I am forgiven. Does that mean I don't feel guilty anymore? The text says um, they would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. What he's saying is they would have known that they were forgiven. It doesn't mean that we don't feel remorse. It doesn't mean that we don't have to repent anymore. It doesn't mean that we don't have to feel guilt. Um, It means that they were no longer guilty, like they were no longer in a place of judgment. When I am a believer, when I'm a follower of Christ, I may stumble, I may fall, I may sin, I may, you know, screw up. I may impulsively, I may be wicked at times. Like, Like the reality is that my flesh is still here and I struggle with sin for the rest of my days. But... I no longer have that guilt legalistically before God. Um, Though, back then, apparently my slides are screwed up. I don't know. Um, I got a text. So, uh, worshipers were not cleansed. The blood of bulls and goats could not be taken, could not take away sins. And actually, as a proof text for this, um, Hebrews offers this. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Um, Then he said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And so Christ comes along and he says, Look, this stuff could never replace it. This stuff cannot do the job this stuff cannot like actually cleanse you of sin but here i am i am the reality that this stuff was pointing to the whole sacrificial system so like i would commit a sin i would take a bull or a goat or whatever and i would sacrifice it to god and the punishment would be transferred what it was always pointing to and the fact that like this is thousands of years before christ shows up that this begins um It was always that traveling to Calvary. It was always God's plan. It was always where it was going. Christ was always on his way to the cross. And when his work is done there, he has reached his destination and we're cleansed. Um, And so when Christ says, here I am, it is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, my God. Oops, sorry. And that's kind of a mashing up of several passages. Um, But the idea here is... um, Christ came to do God's will. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was able to be sacrificed, and we are able to be forgiven by it. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. I think I just reread that text. He set aside the first to establish the second, and by that will... We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So he sets aside the first to establish the second. So the reason we don't continue to offer sacrifices, the reason I didn't lead a goat in here that I had to run out and get from John and Sarah, like, and I'm not chopping it up and covered in blood and making a mess on the floor and everything else, 
Um, man, you think it's bad when you spell coffee, man. If I was sacrificing, anyway, the reason we don't keep doing that is because it's been set aside in favor of this better thing. The cardboard cutout's not necessary because the real thing has showed up. Um, it's almost as though Batman walked in the back of the room. We said, oh, we can get rid of the cardboard cutout and he can stand in the front row and scowl at me. Um, the truth is that Christ is this perfect reality. And this is like it was always a part of the road. It was the road map, if you will. Um, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duty again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. And in fact, actually, what they said a minute ago was it's just a reminder you do this, and it reminds you of the fact that you're a sinner and that you need grace and that you commit sin. Like, it can't cleanse you. It just reminds you. Um, we talked about that uh, a few weeks ago in relation to the law. Uh, this is in well, sermon on First Timothy toward the end of the first chapter. Um, I don't remember the versification at the moment, but we, we talked about the fact that the law exists as a reminder to make us aware that we sin. And having become aware of our sin, we come to repentance. And that is the purpose of the law. It's to bring us to repentance. The like sacrifices, the fact that they happened over and over and over and over again, the reason that was was because we had to be reminded of the fact that we sin. They existed as a reminder. Um, every... Every day, over and over again, we're reminded of our fallen nature, of the fact that we need grace. And that's a big deal. Oftentimes, we like to downplay sin in our lives. We like to say, oh, but our sin isn't that big a deal. But in reality, if Christ had to die for my sins, if the perfect Son of God, who was a perfect man, who was obedient, who was glorious, who's worshipped by angels since before time began, like if it took him dying on a cross, humiliated, naked, beaten, broken, for me to be forgiven, if it took that much, then sin was a really big deal. Like, we like to think, oh, well, it wasn't a big deal. I can forget when, you know, my kids say something mean to me. Surely God can forget when I, you know, when I violate his law. Like, that's just not the way it works. God's perfect holiness demands sacrifice. And so, in Christ, like, well, let me get back to the text. I get to preaching. Um, no amen. Uh, <laughs> But when his priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now watch this. In the beginning of the passage, it says the priest stands day by day. And standing, they have work to do. I am standing here because I have work to do. Also because I'm not one of those really cool pastors who sits on a stool through the sermon. Um, but, like, I have a job to do every day. I stand to do it. Um, the priest stands because he's got work to do. When Christ completes the sacrifice, when he offers his blood, when he is resurrected, he sits at the right hand of God. He sits next to God as his hand, like as a strong arm, sits next to him and he waits for the next job when he is like, or when his enemies are made his footstool. Um, he no longer has to stand up because the work is done. There's no more sacrifices to be offered. There's no more, there's no repetition of that. Only like the one death of Christ on the cross. That's all. Like I'm forgiven. I don't have to beat myself or starve myself or give up meat on Fridays or I didn't, you know, not knocking on it, but I don't have to do anything to earn that forgiveness. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work hard enough. I don't have to preach loud enough. I don't have to knock on doors. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I'm forgiven because Christ is in me. 
Um, I'm forgiven because Christ poured out his blood on my behalf. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And so as a follower of Christ, I am being made holy. I'm going through sanctification. This means sometimes I'm going to go through hard times. Um, I might have to sit in my living room and watch Netflix and really suffer for a month. You know, I might have to... I, I might have to, well, actually, in reality, I have to struggle with my sin. I have to struggle with aging. I have to struggle with, like, trying to be righteous, and I have to fight against my flesh, and I've got to, like, grow spiritually, and I've got to be made holy. And there's this whole process of sanctification that takes place, but it takes place because that one sacrifice for me um, begins the process of making me holy. That doesn't mean I'm not forgiven because I am already forgiven. I am already made new. I am already perfect, but not yet <laughs> because I'm in the process of getting there. It's true there while it's true here. 15 to 17, I'm almost done. Uh, the Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Um, and then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Now watch this. The old covenant, like people were hard-hearted. People were unable to like really repent and become new. Like people, like it was just a reminder over and over again, like Christ um, was the forgiveness of sins. So you might say, oh, wait a minute. Does that mean everybody was sacrificing bulls and goats, wasn't forgiven, they all went to hell? Actually, like part of what I'm going to argue here is that they were looking to Christ without knowing they were looking to Christ. And by their faith in Christ, through the system that God established, they didn't know the perfect Christ. We're blessed to know the perfect Christ. They knew what God had established. And that was the old covenant. The old covenant always was this cardboard cutout pointing toward Christ. But as long as you believed in that cardboard cutout, you were forgiven. You were given grace. You were made new in Christ. And so like Christ saturates the lives of his people, his people before he showed up, his people now like, like Christ is everything in the scriptures, everything. It all, all, all is about him. And actually he says that like the, that the scriptures are all about him. Anyway, like what he does is God goes in and he writes his law in our hearts and he writes them in our minds, and he begins to make us new. And he forgives us. He doesn't remember our lawless acts. He doesn't remember our sins. It doesn't mean he forgets, right? It means he doesn't hold it against us. It means he doesn't put it out there and say, hey, remember you did this? You, know, you have one of those friends that reminds you of every rotten thing you've ever done or every time you slighted them or screwed up or whatever. Like, all of that stuff is gone. gone. We are forgiven, and we're forgiven in a way that the old way couldn't. It was all a part of this road to the cross. And actually, like we could do, I could do a series of sermons on this. I could do, you know, just this, how the Old Testament points forward to Christ. It was all a part of that roadmap. And actually, as some, uh, I think it was a medieval scholar, I don't remember the name of the, the scarlet thread that runs through the scriptures. Like Christ is in everything, and the scriptures all point forward to him, and it is all going to Jesus. Like that is, you know, what the Old Testament is about. And you could do that, but it's all the road to Calvary. It was always leading to Calvary. It was always going to end there. It was always going to end with Christ hanging on that Christ cross broken for you, with Jesus pouring out his blood, with Jesus crying out, it is finished. It was always, always going to end there. The road to Calvary begins thousands of years before Christ was born. 
Um, it begins with the fall. It begins with the system, the law, the everything. It was all about arriving at Calvary. And where these have been seen, or excuse me, and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. And so we don't sacrifice. Instead, we celebrate. And so this morning, my challenge to you and my encouragement to you is like, like back up and look as we're coming up on Easter, as this holy day is coming on us, even if the world seems broken, even if the world is sick, even if we have to stay home because the world is literally sick, um, know that Christ died to redeem it all. And there is a day coming, there is a day coming, and it's closer every day when Christ will return and where it will all be set right, where the creation will be cleansed, where every sickness and every fever and every broken thing and every tear is wiped away, everything is made right. Christ is coming back. And so as we doubt, as we fear, as we wonder, like, am I forgiven? Like, faith in Christ is all you need. Oh, if I sin too big, is God never going to forgive me? No, like, faith in Christ is all you need. One perfect sacrifice. If you're a person who doesn't know Christ, my challenge for you is use this time where you're stuck at home to come to know him more. Follow him. Figure it out. Read the scriptures. Reach out to folks who know him and talk to him. Talk to me. I got nothing but time right now. Um, know that Christ can forgive you. Know that Christ can make you new. Know that Christ died for you. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that, that, that we know the truth of Christ so deeply because of the, the road signs you put along the way, because of the cardboard cutouts in the Old Testament, the, the big blinking neon sign in the, in the scriptures that pointed forward to Christ. I thank you that, that you were always on the way to Calvary, that you were always on the way to Easter morning, that you were always on the way to, to forgiving our sins, making us whole and saving us from, from our lostness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Have a good Sunday. Uh, greet some folks.